Amen. Remember Jesus said one place, blessed are your ears. Amen. Because of what you hear. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. There's some things you really shouldn't be hearing. But praise God. There are some things that are that are that you that you, that blesses you and you are blessed to hear. Amen? Amen. Praise God forevermore. And the Bible says, He says, today if you hear my voice, run with it. Don't harden your heart, but be sensitive. Take a hold of it and run with it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Psalms 119, verse 32, it says, I will run the way of thy commandment. I will run the way of thy commandment when you shall enlarge my heart. And then it, and the Amplified says, I will not merely walk, but run the way of your commandment when you give me a heart that is willing. Now, when we think of, now, of course, the commandments are the instructions of the Lord, not merely the Ten Commandments <laughs> as such. And, um, and it also says, it also says that we are in 2 Corinthians, that we are able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kill it, but the Spirit give it life. Now, when you think about, and then it also speaks it again in another place, uh, uh, I'm reminded. We're just getting ready to pray before we go to the Word, amen? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. But I'm reminded in Romans chapter 7, you know, sometimes believers struggle trying to harmonize uh, the law and the Spirit, to harmonize the old covenant and the new covenant, and so on, and, you know, the things that Jesus said, um, they let to kill it, but the Spirit give it life. Uh, and, and so on and so forth. And, and the Father seeks such to worship Him, to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And how will we walk in this new covenant? How will we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh? Romans chapter 7 and um, verse 6 says, But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The Amplified says, So we serve not under the obedience to the old code of written regulations, but under obedience to the prompting of the Spirit in newness of life. In other words, if we could be in such a place of sensitivity, there will be a prompting of the Holy Spirit coming that is connected up with this new resurrection life that we have, the life of Christ, and if we were to follow after that, be sensitive to that, we will find ourselves functioning in the Spirit all the time. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful thing? Well, it is to that end we pray today that the Lord will enlarge our hearts, that we would run the way of the Spirit, that we would be able to run with Him, not just walk, but run. Say run. run. So stand up and let's put your hand in your heart and let's, let's, let's pray this. Amen? Is that all right? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Put your hand on your heart. Where's your heart? Left side or right side? It's just on the left side. So you could use your right hand. <laughs> Amen. Say, Father in heaven, by the power of your Holy Spirit, strengthen me right now in my innermost being. Enlarge my heart. Enlarge my mind. Enlarge my capacity. Enlarge my understanding. Enlarge my willingness that I might run the way of the leading of the Holy Spirit and of your promptings. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's have a seat.
Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Now we have been teaching on the on um, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we're not done yet, so we continue. Amen. Today, particularly, you know, the Bible speaks about being born again, being baptized with the Holy Ghost, and it speaks about being filled with the Spirit. Today we're gonna head on this pathway of answering this question, addressing this issue. Why being filled? And notice, why, 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 not only why should we be filled with the Spirit, but why should we be being filled with the Spirit? Why should being filled with the Spirit be an a, 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 a ongoing, continuous thing in our lives? Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So let's begin by turning to John chapter 16. Now, of course, there's some scriptures we're going to turn to. But for the sake of time, um, there are a lot of scriptures that I will, that I will, I will simply quote. Amen. John chapter sixteen, verse seven. Jesus said, John sixteen, verse seven. Jesus said, "I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you. It is to your advantage. It's profitable for you. It's good for you that I go away." Because if I don't go away, the comforter, the paracletus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, he will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And in verse 13, he says, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of ultimate reality, when he has come, he will guide you into all truth, into all Reality. He's going to take you into what is real, not just what is apparent. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And blessed are your ears as they hear. He shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things. He will show you things to come. He will glorify me because... He shall receive what's mine, and he's going to show it to you. And all that the Father has, Jesus said, is mine. Therefore, I say to you, he's going to take what's mine, which is what is of the Father, which is mine. He'll take it, and he'll show it to you, because the truth is, it's also yours. You're, you're an heir of God, and you're a joint heir with me. So the Holy Spirit will take what's mine and show it to you, and make it real to you. He will take what I have already done and accomplished, in my death, burial, resurrection, ascension, shed blood. And he will reveal it unto you. He will make it real to you. Every victory that I've already accomplished when I said it's finished. When I defeated hell, death, the grave, sickness, disease, poverty, lack. Every victory, every torment, every torment that I took. Every victory that I have won on your behalf. That he, the Holy Spirit will take that victory, which also belongs to you, and make it real to you so that it becomes your experience. Mm -hmm. Understanding that it is very necessary that I go away so that the Comforter could come, so that when he can come, so that when he comes, he'll be able to fulfill his ministry in taking what I've already done in the sacrifice and making it your reality. Amen? Now in Romans chapter 8, shall we read Romans chapter 8? 
Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. That sounds a little bit more like it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also himself, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Say so the Spirit helps our infirmities. Now that word infirmities comes from a Greek word that sounds something like astinos or something like that. And it means lacking strength. He helps us where we lack strength. Uh, helps us in our weaknesses and in our inability, both spiritually and physically. So he helps there are areas where we are weak. There are areas where we are weak physically. There are areas where we are weak spiritually. And he comes to help. Now, just to, 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 to get a, a picture of what is his helping. The, the, Bible, says, the Bible calls him um, the, the comforter, which is a power, kletos, is the Greek word for it. And, it's, it's, uh, and it is to say that he comes alongside you to help. He's, uh, he's only this, also described as the helper. Now, so as to get a, a, a picture of his helping, so to speak, let's, look, let's consider sicknesses and disease just for a little bit. There's five different kinds of sicknesses. There is what is called NOS, NOSOS, which is a, a sickness where it's a terminal disease, and unless you have a miracle, it's not good. It's a terminal disease such as cancer and that kind of thing. Um, then there's another kind of sickness called Malachian in the Greek, which is a crippling, debilitating disease. You can live with it, but it attacks your, it attacks your nervous system. It attacks your muscles. It can create paralysis. It can, and it's, it's tormenting. It's like MS or polio. Well... We know that Jesus healed them all, and we could go to the healing side and quote scriptures. Nevertheless, Jesus healed them all. So, and then number three, there's one called, it is a sickness that is falling in the category of K-A-K-O-S, which is mental affliction, confusion, torment, oppression. Again, Jesus heals them all. There's a fourth category, which is M-E-S-T-I-G-O-S, mastikos, which is like a plague. Like, what, remember the one where they ate your blood? It's a torture. It, 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 it strikes you again and again. It's like migraine headaches. It hits you, goes away, comes back and hits you again. It's like allergies. Keeps coming, keeps coming. Epilepsy. Well, again, Jesus heals and Jesus still heals. And then number five, there's another category called A-R-R-O-N-S-T-O-S, or what we call comatose, which is being at the very edge of death. All right? Now, actually, Mark chapter 16, verse 18, a verse that we quote, it says, they shall lay hands on the sick. And that word sick, actually, is that same word, arostos, which means comatose. Can you imagine that? You shall lay hands on those that are even in a comatose place, and they shall recover. All right. I say all of that to say this. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, 
If we take these physical sicknesses and we flip them over into the spiritual realm, because they're a type of the spiritual, without the help of the Holy Spirit, what's happening? Nossos, we are without hope. We are without hope. We are in a, a, a terminal state, negatively speaking. We are in a, a malachious place, which is helpless. We are crippled. You know not how to pray for as you ought. There's a, there's, a, there's a paralysis in our lives, not being as effective as, as God has designed us to be. We don't know how to pray as we ought. And then there is number three, the, 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 um, the caucus or the mentally confused place, not knowing what the will of God is and which way to turn. Amen? You see, for all of this, we need the help of the Holy Ghost. Number four, musty, musty ghost or whatever it is, which is this where we've got problems and that problem keeps striking. It keeps striking. It goes back, but then it keeps striking and it keeps reoccurring as opposed to it being smothered, finished, done, and we move on. We need the help of the Holy Ghost. And then there's a comatose state. Spiritually comatized and, and can't do anything. We need the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now, here is, here, is the, here, is the, here is the situation. The reality of it is, without the Holy Ghost, we cannot get, we cannot reach our potential. We cannot, um, the object, the, God's very purpose for our life would be hindered. And the Holy Spirit, his ministry is to bring us into the destiny bring us into the purpose, bring us into the full potential that God has for us. Amen? Now, hey, what is, what is the full potential? What is the purpose? What is it that God has for us individually? Here is what it is very, very simply. The whole objective is simply this, that we would live the life of Christ. That Christ himself would be our life, and that is the standard. In fact, when the, end, when the Bible says in Isaiah 59, verse 19, that, that um, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. That standard is the standard of Christ, and God wants to lift it up through you and I. Amen? Amen. When it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Let's break that down. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, he is your life. Christ is your life. The Bible says in Galatians 2, verse 20, you have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live. Yet it's not you, but it's Christ that liveth in you. And the life that you now live is the life of Christ. So here... Colossians 3 verse 4 is saying, when Christ, who is your life, is the very essence of your inner being, when he shall appear, not a word appear, a better way to understand it is when he is unveiled. In other words, imagine you have something and it's, you know, this beautiful treasure, but it's all wrapped up, it's wrapped up, it's veiled, you can't see it. And that is the life of Christ in your spirit. But when that life is unveiled, when the life of Christ, when Christ who is your life is unveiled, when he appears, then shall also you appear 
then shall you be seen for who you really are. Because who you really are is the life of Christ. And to the degree that our life of Christ comes forth and is unveiled, to that degree, you are made manifest. Are you with me? So here the Holy Ghost has come and his ministry is to bring forth that life and to cause you to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what it says in Romans 8 verse 29. So that you would be so conformed to the image of Christ. Now you see, you got, that is why we need our heart enlarged to believe this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 15, God says that we are to be the fragrance of him in every place. And I believe when you come into the throne room, God gets excited because he, he smells you coming. He smells the fragrance of Christ. But he wants that fragrance of Christ not only for him to smell it when you come into the throne room, but for that to be wherever you are, that life of Christ, that fragrance of Christ, that character of Christ, that person of Christ, that love of Christ, that power of Christ, to be to saturate and affect the very atmosphere. We are the fragrance of Christ in every place. In another place, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, it says we are to be what? We are the epistles of Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It's the spirit of the living God that is at work within us to cause us to be this epistle of Christ, to be read of all men. So the whole objective is that life of Christ coming forth. Amen? Now, let's understand this. So the Holy Spirit has this ministry to bring forth that life of Christ. But he is a helper. Helper. Say helper. Now, you see, the fact that it is, he's a helper in and of itself, and he helps us with our infirmities. He helps us in these areas of weaknesses. He helps us in these areas where there is lack of knowledge. He helps us so that we're not in that crippling state. We're not in that terminal place. We're not in that mentally oppressed place. We're not in that place whereby, where, whereby we're going along in circles and circles and circles and not having the deliverance and the freedom and the liberty that Jesus has paid for us to have. He is our helper. But now, I want you to understand this issue about helping. He is a helper. Helper. Now, if I had this piano and I needed to move this piano, and I say, come help me, and you come up here to help me, but when you come up to help me, I back off. And I, you got to lift the thing by yourself. Hey, come on, that ain't right. And if you are a helper, you take, one, you take one end, I lift the next end. We are in this thing together. So the Holy Spirit is not, he, we are co-workers together with Christ, it says. Does it not? Yeah. If he is a helper, then we are, he, we are working, he's working together. We are to work together. <laughs> he is working together with you. He is not working for you. Hello? We want the Holy Ghost to work for us. <laughs> he is working with you. Which means there is a part that you've got. There is a part and a participation that, uh, that you are responsible for. The Holy Spirit is not going to do all your praying. You've got a part in it. He helps you to pray. He helps you. Amen? So we don't just sit around and wait for him to do it. Don't work that way. You got it? Because don't forget, so which, which leads to what? It leads to the fact that here is his ministry to bring forth this life of Christ, cause us to function in this, cause us to come into the full plan and purpose and, and, and destiny that God has for us. But at the same time, because he's a help, it means then that he has to have your cooperation. Your cooperation. 
Does that make sense? All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. <clears throat> Glory to God. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and, listen to this phrase, the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. The communion of the Holy Ghost. Amplified says the communion, the sharing together and participation in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, that's the phrase I want you to capture. This issue because we're talking cooperation here. And the word communion of the Holy Spirit, communion in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, that communion of the Holy Ghost has to do with so many things. It has to do with fellowship. I like to think of fellowship. Two fellows in the same ship. Amen? Partnership. Cooperation. Yielding. Can you imagine two of us trying to, I mean, we're trying to lift this piano, and you going that way, and I'm going that way? There's going to have to be some yielding, or we're not going to get the job done. That is why it's going to say later on in Ephesians 5, verse 18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. But be, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 21, submitting yourself. Amen? Because it's going to take some submitting, some yielding, some cooperation, some obedience. So that word fellowship, communion with the Holy Spirit, has to do with fellowship, partnership, cooperation, yielding, submitting, surrendering, obedience, obedience, sensitivity. <laughs> All right? So sensitive, in fact, that he can guide you with his eye. Hallelujah. Parents know what to do that with their kids. I remember when we were small growing up in church. Right? We used to go to the Anglican church. I mean, we weren't born again and stuff. Thank God we did go to church and so on. And I mean, me and my sisters, I mean, you'd be sitting in church and, you, you know, you're, and, and you're, you're sitting with your mother and, 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 and you know, as kids, you, you fidget, you hit one another and you, you, you do things that you shouldn't be doing. And I'm telling you, all your mother has to do sometimes is just, just look at you. Just give you the eye. And once she looked at you, man, that was enough. You immediately, she was able to instruct you with her eye. <laughs> Amen? Well, I believe God wants us to be so sensitive to the Spirit of God that in a sense, we can sense his nudging, sense his yielding. He can instruct us with his eye. Hallelujah. Being... <laughs> Are we going to get to this? But this cooperation, this communion, this fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it is one to the point where you are so abandoned, so yield to him, that you are pretty well possessed by the Holy Spirit in a good way, where he dominates your thoughts and your thinking and your speaking and your attitudes and your behavior. You see, in the church world, we have settled for so much less. We are impressed by things that God is not necessarily impressed with. Because God is looking for us to decrease and him to increase. God is looking for us to be in that place where for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hallelujah. But this communion, this fellowship is personal, it's intimate. It involves being best friends with the Holy Ghost. It, it's talking about relationship, developing in that manner. And in that place, he is able to be this helpful. Amen? All right. Let's, let's, let me put this a, a, another way. This cooperation with the Holy Spirit begins, first of all, when you are born again. That's the first step. 
The Bible says you must be born. Jesus said you must be born again. He says if you're not born again, you can't even enter into the kingdom. You can't see into the kingdom. But it does say that as many as receive him, as many as would confess that Jesus Christ is raised up from the dead and declare him as Lord and Savior shall be saved. They are born again of the Spirit of God and sealed by the Holy Ghost and they enter into the kingdom of God and they are literally baptized or immersed into the body of Christ. They become part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For by one, first Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into the body of Christ, whether we be Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. That applies to every single person that is born again. Amen? So that is where it begins. This cooperation begins First of all, by coming into the kingdom of God and being born again of the word and of the spirit of God. Amen? Amen. But then the second step is what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've studied that in a couple of different lessons. I mean, there are many records of it in the word of God. In Acts chapter 2, in, um, when they were, on the day of Pentecost, when they were all baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with tongues as the Holy Ghost gave them utterance. And then again in Acts chapter, um, what is it? Acts chapter... 9, Acts chapter 6, 19, Acts chapter 10, and then Paul in Acts chapter 9. I mean, at least five references, and we've studied that out before. We can't go back to it now. Where sometimes it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's called being filled with the Holy Spirit. Another time it says, but the Holy Spirit come upon them. Whatever it is, but it was an experience beyond being born again. Amen? And we've studied that out, why it is so necessary. Well, Jesus said it is expedient. It's better for you. It's more advantageous. You see, when you, when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, then the various ministries and the various things that the Holy Spirit needs to be doing in your life becomes amplified. Amen? And therefore, and without it, you know, you're walking around, but you're kind of like hindered. Right? You're kind of like, uh, like, like as we were just saying, you, you're kind of crippled. But the Holy Ghost has come to, to affect us, to help us in these areas. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is part of it. That, that is, that is, it, it, it is to amplify things. It is to amplify the Holy Spirit ministry, which is to make real to us what Jesus has already accomplished. Right? And it is to, now let me go a little further. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of bringing you under total, now let me amplify this. Under the total control of the Holy Spirit. In your thinking, in your actions, in your speaking, not just when you're preaching, but all the time. It is to bring you into the place so that you become as Jesus is. You see, you as Jesus is, so are you in this world, 1 John 4, 17. In your spirit, you are as Jesus is. But guess what? It might not necessarily be so in your attitudes, in your actions, in your speaking, in your behavior, in your conduct, in your etc., etc. So the Holy Spirit has a ministry to help us to become conformed to who we are on the inside. To help us to, yes, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. But as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Therefore, we ought to be as Jesus is in this world. And the Holy Spirit comes to bring us, to conform us to that image of Christ. Which means what? 
To be as Jesus is, to call us, to cause us to be what it's called in Hebrews 1 verse 7. God says, I will make them, my ministers, flames of fire. Amen? God is on the inside. God is a fire for that fire to begin to consume us and to flow out of us. God says in another place that you are my battle axe. Jeremiah 51 verse 20. Isaiah 41 15 says, he's going to make you a sharp, threshing instrument having teeth. Which is a powerful harvesting tool, so to speak. Not to mention what it how it can shred the enemy. We are to be the light of the world. Amen? We are to be oracles of God. Now, oracles of God is not just speaking the word of God, but it is speaking as God. Amen? Anybody can take the word of God and speak it. But it's to speak as God. You know, sometimes you see we read these scriptures and we water them down. But listen to what it says. First, Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. Oracle of God. Whoever renders service, let him do it with the strength which God furnishes, with God's strength. That God in all things may be glorified. Let him speak as an oracle of God. Let him do it as one who utters oracles of God. That is why Paul prayed. Paul, a man filled with the Holy Ghost and power and, and had been caught up in the third heavens, Paul prayed. Paul asked the believers, rather, in the, in the end of Ephesians chapter 6, after he told them to put on the whole arm of God and praying always with all prayer and supplication and watching there on to for all the saints, and he said, pray for me that utterance might be given me so that I may make known the gospel boldly. Paul is asking people to pray for him that he would have divine utterance. That he would, so that he would be like Jesus. Jesus says, the words that I speak, they're not my own. It is the Father's words. Whatever I hear, that's what I speak. God wants us to be in a place where we are so blended. We are so molded. We are so consumed with the Spirit of God and with the life of Christ that it is no longer us, but it is him speaking through us. Are you with me? Right? Now, you see, we don't think that way, but this is what all God thinks. We don't resettle for a lot of little lower level stuff when God has, God who is perfect in all of his ways, desires a perfection. But it's not a perfection where he's desiring it of you as much as he's desiring to produce it through you. The Bible speaks about the perfecting power of the blood that can make us perfect to every good work. Hebrews chapter 12, 13 verse 20 and 21. But there is a cooperation, there is a healing. There is a pursuit, there is a hunger, there is a desiring that we have to have, amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. God wants, to, God wants us to be his mouthpiece, glory to God. So here is the Holy Spirit, and this is his ministry. This is what he's after. He is, I mean, he's come from the heaven. He is here, he proceeded from the Father and the Son. He is here to take what Jesus has done, make it real to us. He is here to bring us into the fullness of all that God has desired for you. That's his ministry. Amen? That's his ministry. He wants, I mean, I mean, God could say, okay, they're born again, blood is being shed, sins are forgiven, or let them just come up to heaven. But no, he didn't do that. Amen? God could have set them for the fact that the price was paid and they're forgiven. And so, but no, it was more than forgiveness. The Bible says Jesus came to bring many sons to glory. 
Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. That means what? To bring many sons into the very excellence and the very essence of God and his very own being. So God was not going to settle for less. Okay, Adam fall. Okay, let's just get them forgiven. No, 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 no. God, you see, God is such a man. Look, I believe if you, if, if this table here, if this is God's table and somebody came and break it and God decided to fix it, when he fixes it, it's going to be better than it was before. Think about that. That's how God is. Amen? So when the devil thinks he messed things up with Adam, God says, I'm going to make it better than that. <laughs> Hallelujah. To the second Adam. Everything that was lost, I'm going to restore. I mean, in fact, I'm going to restore all things to my original intent and purpose. Colossians 1 verse 20. Amen? That's the peace of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, because, because, so, oh, let, let's, let's back up. So, how are we to cooperate? How does this work? Number one, we, it starts by being born again. Number two, it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But now understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. It is to bring us to this place where we are so consumed with the life of Christ and with the Holy Ghost. And because of that, because of the purpose of baptism, therefore, number three, be filled, saturated, continually with the Holy Spirit. You see what? In other, words, in other words, the baptismal Holy Spirit is a mechanism. But now you got it. He said, here's what you got to do. You got to be continually filled with the Spirit. And the word filled, Ephesians 5 verse 18, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Talks about the fact, it's a better word, it is be saturated. Amen? Be saturated. Can you imagine you take a sponge and you 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 just you, you, you soak it in some water and, 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 and I mean you just and it's really so when you lift up that sponge, what's gonna happen? Water is gonna start dripping out of it. Amen? Well, that needs to be the water of the Holy Ghost of the life of Christ. Be ye saturated. Because as you're saturated, then the Holy Ghost can do what it is that He has come to do. That's our part, that's our cooperation. In fact, it doesn't just say, um, be filled with the Holy Spirit, but if we really, it was not just a suggestion. God was not just saying, you know, something, I mean, you need to consider being filled with the Holy Spirit. No. I think about this and meditate on it and see if this is a good idea. Right? Maybe we can discuss it. Let's reason together. No, no, no. It's basically, I command you, don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Holy Ghost. That's what he meant. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled. He meant be drunk with the Holy Ghost. When people are drunk, man, they lose it. <laughs> they are controlled by something else. Amen. They are coming from another place. They become another man. Isn't that right? So that's what he said. But be drunk with the Holy Ghost. Be, be saturated with him. And become a totally other person. And that other person is Christ. Amen. Amen. So. Now. It's a good question to ask. Why does God, why would God command us to be filled with the Holy Ghost? What is it that he's after? What is it that he desires? That he would say, you got to do it this way. You got to get born again. You got to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then you got to be filled. Why? Why? Now, what is it he desires? I believe when we understand what he desires, what his hope is, what his dream is, what he's after, 
I believe we're in a better position to understand why he would command it. Amen? You know, I mean, you know the harm of certain things. You, you command your children, I mean, when they're small, or you, or you, or you, go, or you command them that if you're going to go ride a bike, put on a helmet. Amen? Why? Not because of, I, I mean, it's not a reasoning thing. You command them to do it because you understand the dangers of riding a bicycle out there without a helmet if you got into an accident. Amen? So there's a reason for it. Now, the Bible says, so what's God's hope? What's God's desire? What's God's purpose? And the issue of purpose is an important one because of this. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 11 in, that in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. And then it goes on to say um, we have obtained an inheritance. And then it says um, according to, let me, let me get it correctly. Ephesians 1 and verse 11. Whereby, in whom also we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will. All things according to the counsel of his will. Predestined according to purpose. Who works all things according to his, and after the counsel of his own will. Break it all down and it basically says that God does everything according to his purpose. In other words, God doesn't lose sight of what his purpose is. That is why it says God works all things together for good. Even when we mess up, even when whatever, he still works it together for good for them that love him and are called according to what? Purpose. Say purpose. Now in Romans chapter 4 verse 25, it says Jesus was delivered up for our offenses. That means he died, shed his blood for our offenses, he was buried, or went through that to, 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 to break that power of offense off of our lives. But then he was also raised up for our justification. He was raised up for our justification. Uh, another version says, he was put to death for our misdeeds. But he was raised up to secure our justification. To secure this place for us where we could be as if sin has never been. To secure our righteousness. To secure the life of God, the life of Christ to be our life. You see here, let me, let me put it this way. The thing about the cross, the cross is, an awesome, is, is such an awesome symbol and reality. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That you through his poverty might be made rich. Now, of course, there's a financial application to that verse of scripture. But let's go further with it. It says then at this cross, where we see the grace of God, we know the grace of what happened there. What happened there is this. On the cross is a place where, the, you could call it, where there was a great exchange that took place. What does this exchange look like? Very simply, Jesus became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Exchange our sin for his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. On that cross, Jesus became the curse that we might receive the blessing. Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. Amen? And part of the blessing is the promise of the Spirit. On the cross, Jesus bore our sicknesses 
and carried our infirmities that by his stripes we'll be healed and have his divine health. Amen? First Peter 2, 24, Ephesians 5, 30, we are members of his body, Philippians chapter 3, 20 and 21. And, and, and okay, and 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. And I mention all of those verses so that I don't leave it simply as Jesus took our sicknesses, carried our diseases, that by his stripes we heal. It's more than that. It is so that we can have divine health. That's the reason why I added those other scriptures. Amen? Amen. Exchange. Say total exchange. Say perfect exchange. Man, it's not a perfect exchange if all I'm going to get is being healed. Only to be sick again. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> come on, really, think about it. Can you come up with better than that? Well, God is perfect. Whatever he has is perfect. There is nothing more perfect than replacing sin with, right, with righteousness. There is nothing more perfect than replacing the curse with a blessing. There is nothing more perfect than replacing sickness and disease with divine health. Hallelujah. Well, also, too, on that cross, what happened? The Bible says he became poor, that we might be made rich. We are joined heirs with Christ and heirs of God. All things are yours. When you give you Jesus, he also gives you all things. Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 32. But here is something else that happened on that cross. He took our life and he gave us his life. That's the exchange. And with his life comes everything. To everything. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, that's why 1 John 4, 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us. Because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Which is to say that we might live the life that comes through him. And that is the life of Christ. That's the objective. Let us not lose sight of that. That is why the whole, that is why Jesus came. That is why Jesus went to the cross. That's why the Holy Ghost came. That's what his ministry is. To cause this life of Christ to become our reality and our experience. The very end point of the sacrifice is to bring us to the life of Christ. Stop, think about it for a moment. Right? You know, we talk about the eight aspects of the sacrifice. Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He was resurrected. He, was, uh, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He shed his blood. He's given us his name. We've got great and precious promises because we're now the sons of God. But he's also given us the life of Christ in you, the hope of glory. But now here is it. Right? And then, of course, in that sacrifice, we were in there. Okay. But here is the thing. The whole sacrifice of Christ begins with crucifixion. It begins with death. But where does it end? What is the end point? Why all this death? Why all this burial? Why all this resurrection? Why all this ascending to the right hand of the Father? Why all this shedding of blood? Why? To bring us to the end point, which is for you to have the very life of Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, the, the, the sacrifice begins in the death and crucifixion, but it ends and culminates in the life of Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this life of Christ as your life is the hope to which you were resurrected. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, hallelujah, have begotten us again, got us born again unto a living hope, a living hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible on the fire. We 
have been born again onto something. It was there before we got there. Amen? I'm not making this hope up. It's not my hope. It's God's hope. I was born again. You and I were born again onto this living hope. By virtue through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. To this living hope. And to this inheritance that's incorruptible. That living hope is Christ and his life. Amen? The life of Christ is to dominate us. It is to saturate us. That's God's dream. That's God's desire. That's God's perfect, that's God's heart and God's desire for us. Wasn't for us to just be born again, witness to a few people, which we should do all of that, enjoy church, and then that's it, we finish and we're gone. No. He wants us to be so saturated with the Holy Ghost, so consumed with the life of Christ. Amen? And that is, we must recognize that, and then we must press towards that mark and collect the price that comes with it. <laughs> press for the mark and the price. Pressing for that mark. Amen? It is for that reason that God, that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He says, Father, listen to this, the glory that you've given to me, that glory that you have given to me, I give it to them. And the reason I'm giving this glory to them is that they might be one. Not just one with, one with each other. Not one meaning they, got, they all agree together in unity and harmony. But they might be one even as you and I are one. Jesus says, I want them to, I'm going to give them this glory to bring them into this oneness just like you and I have. So as a result of that, that's the reason why it says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse, verse 17 that when you are born again, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. God wants us to be one just like him and Jesus is one. Jesus said, you see me, you see the Father. Isn't that right? Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 10, he says, Look, this is where I live. This is where I live. This is how I live. I live in a place where I'm continually bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am living in a place where I'm continually reckoning myself to be dead indeed. I'm living in a place where, in fact, this is, my, this is what my commitment is. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I die daily. Every day, I make this, I seize this truth that I am crucified with Christ. I bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, but I also bear about in my body the reality that I'm raised up with him, that I'm seated at his right hand, that I've been given his name, I've been given his authority. So he says, I bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Christ might be made manifest in my body, even in this mortal flesh. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm saying that to say what? I'm to point out what God desires. How much God really wants this life of Christ to dominate us. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9, I want to be found in him. He said, man, look, all these things that were gained to me, I count them up with loss. All that stuff don't matter. Right? Whatever success I had yesterday, I'm thankful for it. But hey, that's not, I'm not going to spend time meditating on that to slow me down. But here's what I do. I want to be found in him. 
Not having my own righteousness based on the law, based on my works, and based on my own goodness. But I might be found in Christ, having the righteousness which is of God by faith. And that I might know him, be intimate with him. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That I might know him and know what it is to live in the newness of life as one that has been raised up. So that even though I'm in this physical body, and even though I'm on this earth, yet I could live with a resurrected life as I have in Christ. And that is why I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Therefore, I also have got to know and live in the fellowship of his suffering and be made conformable even unto his death. And I do that, Paul says, you know why? Because I want to apprehend that for which God has apprehended me. I want to get a hold of that which God has gotten a hold of me for. And what God got a hold of me for was to reveal his son in me. And that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And that that Christ would come out of me. And that that life would dominate me. And because I understand that, I'll tell you this. I forget everything. This one thing I do. I forget everything that is behind. And I'm just doing one thing. I'm pressing for that mark. I'm just going after that. I'm pressing for that mark, for that prize of the high calling of God in Christ. I'm pressing for that place where I am so possessed, I am so consumed, where it's no longer me, where I am clothed, where I'm clothed with my house that is from above. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So we are to be consumed in the life of Christ. He makes his ministers a flame of fire. So... <laughs> So the question is, why is God commanding us to be filled, to be saturated with the Holy Ghost? You know why? Because what it is he desires, this dream that he has, can only become ours experientially by us. Only the Holy Ghost can do it, and it can only happen if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Without being filled, we won't be able to cooperate. We won't be able to cooperate. And it's not going to be done. See, he says, I command you. I'm commanding this because that's the only way I'm going to have my dream fulfilled, which is you be to the praise of my glory, for you to be that trophy of grace, for you to be the fragrance of my son in every place, so for you to be as my son is, for you to be my battle axe, for you to be my sharp threshing instrument having peace, for you to be the light of the world, Amen. He says, this is the only way it's going to happen. I've got to have this at work. <laughs> now, I think this is so interesting. That this is the one to whom he's saying this is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse, verse 18. Amen. It is, it, it, he's saying this to the Ephesian believers. Now, can I put it this way? Because the Bible records, and I think it's in Acts chapter 19, where the believers in Ephesians were filled with the Holy Ghost. So, let me say, he was saying this to the Ephesian church. And um, he was saying it to every born again, Holy Ghost, baptized believer. Amen? Now, why was the Holy Ghost, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, commanding believers everywhere to be consumed, to be saturated with the Holy Ghost? Now, I'm going to see how, how quickly I can do this. 
the believers to which he was saying this in Acts chapter, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, he spoke to them in, 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 in um, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 4, right up to Ephesians chapter 5 when he mentioned this. And in those chapters 1 and 2, what was he saying to them? What was he saying to these folks that he says they need to be filled? He, to, he was saying to them in chapter 1 and 2, and trying to get them to recognize where they are seated at the Father's right hand in Christ. Getting them to understand who they are. And therefore he said things like in Ephesians chapter 1, he said you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. He said in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You are God's handiwork that God shaped and formed and he's got pathways that you are to walk in. He said in Ephesians 2 verse 6 that you are made alive together with Christ and made to sit together at the Father's right hand. He said in Ephesians chapter 1 in many, many places that you are to be to the praise of the glory of God. Amen? And because of all of that, he prayed. He prayed unto me. He prayed and he prayed that, 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 that God will open up the eyes of your understanding. Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the eyes of the understanding would be opened. What for? So that they would know what is the hope of his calling. What dream God has, what God had in mind when he called them to himself out of darkness into this marvelous light. What is God's dream? But we know what the dream is. The dream is the life of Christ. That they would know what is the hope of the calling, that they would know what is the riches of his inheritance in the saints. And that they would know what is this great power that raised them up from the dead. And he prayed that for them. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9, he said, look here. Let me, let me say this. The reason why I have such comprehension and such understanding of these things is because I was caught up in the third heaven. And because God has revealed this stuff to me. And he has given me an assignment. And that assignment is to bring, is to come and to get believers everywhere and for men everywhere to come and grasp and understand what is their fellowship and participation in this mystery of Christ being on the inside of us. And not only that, the reason why for them to come to that comprehension and I have that assignment is so that, Ephesians 3 verse 10, it is for the very intent that now through the church, us believers, God can make manifest and God could make manifest unto the principalities and powers his manifold wisdom. And the very life of Christ. Christ is the wisdom and in the power of God. God says, in other words, God says, I'm doing this so that through the church and the standard of the church in every believer is the very life of Christ. They're not to lift up that standard against the enemy and lift it up to the principalities and powers. According as I have already done and completed it in my son in his sacrifice. According as I had purposed it from eternity. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, if so, that being the case, Paul prayed again in Ephesians chapter 3. That now God would strengthen them with might and bring them into that reality. Strengthen them so that they would know this love of God which passes all knowledge. And be filled with all of his fullness. And then he goes on to chapter 4. Now, so in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, basically, he was telling them, this is where you sit. You are seated at the Father's right hand. This is who you are. This is what you've got. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're sealed with the Holy Ghost. You've obtained this inheritance. 
And now, and then now, and this is the mystery. And then now in chapter 4, he says, okay, this is how you sit. Now let me tell you how you need to walk. And so he begins to talk about the walk. And he says, hey, look, I'm going to help you. Here, here's what God has done in order to help you to walk this walk. God has given, has put what we call um, ministry gifts. God has placed within the body of Christ pastors and evangelists and apostles and teachers and prophets. What for? So that they can teach, so that they can edify, so that they can build you up. To what point? To the point that in verse 13, that you would come to the place where you would so grow up into the full measure of the statue of Christ. So that his very fullness would become your reality and you would no longer be like a little child tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Amen? So that we'd be able to walk this walk. And so that we'd be conformed to the image of Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Have our minds renewed. So, what does being filled with the Holy Ghost look like? Can I put it this way, simply this way? You know, we talk in the negative. We speak about people being demon-possessed and who is demon-possessed and honor the influence of the devil and this, that, and the other. Now, if the devil was to totally, totally, completely possess somebody, man, they would be even beyond the madman of Gadara. All right? Well, let's switch it around. Let us not be the devil. Let's be God. Let it be God, the Holy Ghost, that possesses you. But not by force because you want him to. Because you, because, you have, because you have sought, you have prayed, you have seeked, you have fasted, you've endured, you, you've hungered, you 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 pursued this. And now, you, so God wants the holy, you know, see, God, it's not good enough for us to be spiritized and to be spiritual. He wants us to be literally possessed. To be clothed upon with a house that comes from above. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse, verse 5 and 2. I can't really do that justice. No, so let me move on. Possession is when he is fully, totally in control. So that your thinking, your way of acting, being your, your behavior, your praying, your worship, all become spirit controlled. Holy Ghost controlled. Now the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for possession. That's what it was for. It was to eat up the whole of your life and to consume you and set up Jesus as king so that his life becomes your norm and your experience. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says Jesus hung up on the cross and he became a curse for us that we might be redeemed from the curse of the law and that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and that you might receive the promise of the Spirit. Which is what? It is a very dumb payment and the guarantee of your inheritance. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit all. Well, let's break it down this way. This man of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost, his ministry working is to work in every believer's life, in your life. What for? To, to approve, to, to accomplish this. To conform you to the image of Christ and to cause that life of Christ to come forth. The ministry of the Holy Spirit and the baptism into Jesus' death. You are baptized into his death. You are baptized into, and you are buried with him and gotten rid of. And then thank God you were raised up when he was raised up. You were made to sit together in heavenly places, washed by his blood, and now you have his life. The Holy Spirit, you see, 
It is, so you were born again to this living hope. And this living hope is Christ. This was the hope that God had for you. And this is now the hope in you. To bring you to that glory. Christ gave you the hope of glory. Now let me, let me, let me close by, by saying just a, a, a few more things. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30. And verse 18. It says, um, I, I no, not this, that's, that's Proverbs. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18. Hunger and, and thirst after righteousness. Psalm 17 and verse 15 says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I am going to behold your face in righteousness. I am not going to be satisfied. Just like Paul says, until I apprehend that for which I'm apprehended. I am not going to be satisfied with this blessing here and this here and that there and compare myself with this one and that one. None of that stuff is good enough. I am only going to be satisfied when I awake and I find myself totally clothed and consumed with you. Clothed with my house that is from above, which is the spirit of the living God. Permeating every part, every fabric, every part of my being. Until then I will not be satisfied. What am I saying? God, in order to need to, so like this is where we start. Lord willing, next week we're going to talk about the keys to being continually filled. But here is where you start. This desire, this the place to begin is this crying out, this hunger, this pursuing of Him, this desiring, and, and therefore praying this desire, seeking, fasting, whatever, but having that consuming desire for what? That communion. Of the Holy Ghost. That fellowship, that participation, that sharing, that surrendering, that yielding, all that is involved. Let me close by giving you that same scripture we start with. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you. May the communion of the Holy Ghost become your reality, your experience, your testimony that leads to the manifestation of the fullness of the life of Christ where we are so established in him and we are so grown up and matured into the full measure of the stature of Christ. That's my prayer. That's my desire for you and for me. So let's press for the more. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Why be filled? That's why you be filled. That's why you got to get filled. Continually. Because that's the only way. What God has gotten hold of you for is going to become a reality. Amen? Otherwise, you just got to wait till you get to heaven. <laughs> Amen? Let's not wait. Let's get this job done here. Let's, let's get as much of heaven here while we're on this earth. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. So next week we'll talk about the keys of being filled. Amen? Amen. That way we don't have to recap. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Amen.